Music. Entertainment. Forces Life. BFBS. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Hello and welcome to Team Talk. It's the show that's all about Forces families. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jill. And we're dedicating the next 30 minutes to Forces Life. On the show today, we'll be having some more family time. We're heading to Bulford with Steve and Becky. And we get some expert advice from someone in the know on some of the topics that are raised. This week's little victory comes from 10-year-old Marley in Oxfordshire. We're going to hear all about the things he's done to help him settle into a new school. And today's soundtrack is picked by our younger listeners from around the forces world. We'll hear their song that served me and why they chose it. Finally, Mark Billy Billingham MBE, former SAS soldier and now co-host of the hit TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. He's our special celebrity guest. If you're from a Forces family, you've come to the right place. Team Talk is the show all about you. So let's start with some family time. Here's Jill and Louise from Little Troopers talking to Steve and Becky before the lockdown started in Bulford. BFBS. Team Talk. This is my station. This is the Forces Station. Welcome to Family Time. If you don't know me, my name is Louise and I am the founder of the charity Little Troopers. Little Troopers is a charity that supports all children with one or both parents serving in the British Armed Forces. Today, we are in Bulford for family time with the lovely Steve and Becky, and we have Harry, a little trooper who himself is just nearly six months old. Hi, Louise. Uh, hi, Steve. Hi, Becky. Hello, little Harry. You're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Steve, can you start by telling us your military journey? And of course, when Becky joined? So very briefly, yeah, I joined the army back in 1998. Uh, and originally joined the Royal Signals to be a telecommunications operator. Uh, I did that for about 11 years, uh, with my final signals posting being in Blanford as a phase two uh, instructor. Uh, and I then transferred to the Royal Logistics Corps to be an army photographer in 2009, um, before doing several deployments around the world. And this has kind of got me to where I am today. So Becky, tell us about when you met Steve and uh, how you managed to get yourself in this position of being married to somebody in the army, which let's face it, isn't always the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Steve and I actually met online, um, and given that he was based not very near to where I am in Hampshire, um, we spent quite a lot of time just emailing, texting, we were on the phone, and that was for a couple of weeks, I think, before we actually met up. So you weren't deployed when you... No, oh, no, okay, no, so, so you were around. But no, just... so Steve was around, but just not based particularly local. Yeah, that was, I think, back in 2015. Yeah, we sort of played it pretty cool after the first date. Um, wasn't sure that we'd end up seeing each other again. It was a bit awkward. It was a bit awkward. <laughs> I am loving these online dating stories. Well, it sort of, it First dates really are always well. awkward, though, aren't they? Yeah, it worked really, really well, sort of on paper and you know via text and whatever. And then you meet up and you're like, oh, just... oh sorry, that's Harry um, making his input there. So as you can see, things worked out quite well. Um, but it was going well because you decided to get married. And you were planning your wedding, weren't you? Yeah, we yeah. did. So uh, um, Steve proposed after nine months, I think. Mm, at Buckingham Palace, no less. Oh, <coughs> the best. Just get that in there, yeah. At this point when you proposed and you were, you know, having this idea of your wonderful wedding and the happy future together, you didn't know, did you, that you were about to have this absolute bombshell that would change your life? No, nothing. Nothing at all. Um, but yeah, at the time I was blissfully unaware, sat drinking champagne in the, the Savoy or wherever it was we went to in London. 
Yeah, so from then um, I started to notice uh, some really bad sinus-related symptoms, which obviously when I went to the doctor, you know, I was diagnosed initially with a sinus infection. And this kind of persisted, but at the same time, the headaches that came with it were getting worse. And yeah, it went on for 18 months and I'd moved moved unit as well. So it was then starting afresh with a new doctor. And it was sort of at the point of me breaking, I said, you know, we, we need to do something about this because it's been too long. Um, and I just couldn't cope with the headaches anymore. So, Did you think it was going to be something serious? No. Well, clearly, clearly I was worried, um, but I think you never really expect I think the news that you're going to get, do you? I think both of us thought that they would just say, you know, it's a really bad sinus infection or, you know, you've caught this underlying bug that you've just not managed to shift. So to get the sort of the, the bombshell, as it were, that you'd got this brain tumour was just, you know, it just it, it took the... The window out of our sails, didn't it? So were you told at that point that you were going to need surgery? Um, it was discussed. Um, the The main concern at the time was the location of the tumour um, was on the back of my sinus canal, uh, and that is a main blood supply. So first of all, the you know the kind of scary talk of it's it's not operable was was mentioned, which clearly you know sends your blood pressure a little bit higher than you'd like it to be. And actually being a soldier, you are used to being fit and well, aren't you? And you, know, you don't go off on sick parade often. You just, you yeah. just don't do no, that. No, exactly. Um, but of course then, you know, when I had surgery, um, and without going into too much gory detail, they basically connected um, a pressure release valve into the back of my skull that then connects into my stomach cavity. So I get rid of any excess fluid a lot quicker to stop pressure. But of course, once I'd done that, which is, you know, the equivalent of a male C-section, I had no stomach muscles. I couldn't stand up, sit down, lay down in bed. I couldn't do anything on my own, probably for the first month or so. You know, so I was housebound um, when Becky was sort of um, in between jobs and... Sorry, that's um, Harry, by the way. <laughs> just to... um, she couldn't get time out of work because she just just started a new job. You know, so I was pretty much sat at home on my own like an absolute invalid, which was the first time that that's ever happened, you know. And you got married quite soon after your operation, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, ten days after surgery. Wow. wow. <laughs> so I, I ended up having three brain surgeries in a five-day period. The run-up for the wedding was literally tearing my hair out because it was so stressful, but you've got to keep all these plates spinning and just got to keep going and got to keep going. And... You know, my family were very supportive and dealt with all of my outlet of frustration and, and stress and worry and crying and, you know, all of that good stuff so that I could have the brave face for Steve and keep him going and keep him positive and so on. Um, so for me, dealing with it came later. This is awful. Like, you know, that's going to really, really change your life. But you are also a soldier. How long did you have to have off work? Um... I was off work for about three and a half, four months. And, you know, what support did you get? Um, so initially it was it was mostly um, unit-led. So I was getting visits, uh, I think, every week. I was getting somebody different come and visit me every week, which was nice. Um, but for me, it kind of came at a really key part of the year. Um, I was still quite career-driven and really keen to get back to work get my annual report written, try and get through a medical board and be eligible to promote. Um, and of course, at the time, all of these questions were kind of up in the air because I didn't know whether I'd pass medical board, whether I'd get medically discharged. Do you um, think that you rushed back like with because you thought that might affect your promotion if you didn't? Yeah, definitely. In hindsight, 
I should have listened to the doctor's advice and I probably would have ended up staying at home for another couple of months. But I knew in the back of my mind that I still wanted to fight for the, the few years of career that I had left. So obviously rehabilitation was you know, a massive part of your recovery. You're a few years on now from surgery. How was that rehab process for you? Um, so unfortunately for me, it, it wasn't straightforward. Um, I was kind of lost in translation slightly. Um, we were, or I was posted to a, a unit that was a lodger unit within an RAF camp. And I kind of got lost in process somewhere. Um, so I didn't actually get the, the full um, sort of rehab package that I should have done. Um, and that included, you know, kind of uh, welfare visits that were kind of outside of my chain of command. Obviously, my chain of command were doing their their bit, um, but unfortunately, I missed out on the welfare side, uh, and also missed out on uh, rehabilitation courses that I should have been put into Tedworth House for. Um, and I think, you know, there was a level of a level of oh, he's all right. You know, is a bit of dark humour when we went to visit. He seems quite chipper. Um, but actually, yeah, deep down, it was very depressing. Um, dark time. Very dark. From the initial diagnosis, I mentally sort of downhill spiralled pretty quickly. You've been doing a lot of fundraising and raising awareness, haven't you, for brain tumour research? Yeah. Has that helped you? Is that given you something else to focus on? I think so, yeah. I think it's... I think it's one of those things where until it happens to you, you don't really realise how common it is. But I think raising awareness... And raising, you know, raising funds to help um, help fund research and help, you know, to, to eventually find a cure is pretty important. Steve and Becky, honestly, I have absolutely loved speaking to you today. The strength and the bravery and what you've been through, I've been blown away. So thank you. We like to end our family time sessions with a few questions. I've asked everybody who's come to see us the same questions um, just to sort of end, um, end on a good note. Um, so my first um, question that I ask is always what has been... Your favourite posting to date? Ooh. You know, for us as photographers, there are some really nice, really nice postings. Um, and I probably, yeah, I probably enjoyed London. I probably worked the hardest, but enjoyed it the most. What's your one piece of advice for other forces families? Never run out of gin. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> and then just lastly, what has been your favourite memory to date? Well, I don't think you can really beat uh, being proposed to. Uh, by a gentleman in a full, you know, full number ones. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty with special. Big Liz, with, with Big Liz, yeah, at the Queen Palace. looking on. Um, honestly, so much love to you guys. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us on Family Time. It's been a total pleasure. You're Thank welcome. you very much. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Hello, my name's Enya, I'm 11. My song that serves me is East Side by Benny Blanco and Halsey. When I was young. I fell in love with used to old hands, man, that was enough yeah. Then we grew up, started to touch Used to kiss and then eat the light on the back of the bush I know your daddy didn't like me much And he didn't believe me when I see you with a wall It reminds me of moving around and brings back lots of memories from me and my friends at the Leavers Disco We can do anything if we put a mind to it Take your whole life and you put a line to it I miss my friends, so I enjoy listening to it and remembering them. This is BFBS Team Talk. Team Talk.
The Forces Station. 11-year-old Enya there picking today's first song that serves me, Eastside by Benny Blanco. In family time earlier, we heard Steve sharing his story about living with a brain tumour. We wanted to speak to someone in the know about the support that's available for serving personnel who are diagnosed with a serious illness. Jill caught up with WO2 Jill Charlton from the Candid Network via Skype. Candid stands for Chronic Conditions and Disabilities in Defence. The network is a tri-service network that was launched last year in 2019. What's really special about the network is that each one of us who has an advocacy role has been diagnosed with a life-limiting condition or has had caring responsibilities for somebody that has. So there's a real group understanding there about actually some of the pressures that people face in defence and there is an abundance of support in place for personnel who are identified as wounded, injured and sick and I think sometimes that can get lost. The Armed Forces is a large organisation and people always want to do the best by people but they might not have the knowledge at their fingertips. Defence in recent years has made great steps towards recognising that there's a need to support people with disability, life-changing conditions. Defence has a recovery capability in place that is just targeted at ensuring that people who have a recovery need are supported to either remain in the forces or to transition out. Lots of amazing support from, from partner charities as well and key stakeholders. SAFA, the Forces Charity, they run a lot of forums and disability networks. And now with the introduction of Candid, we have a scope for people to come on board, speak to other people that have experienced similar things and work out how they can make that fit for them. By sharing personal experiences, members of the network can help others in similar circumstances and contribute to a wider understanding of the support needed. Jill told me about the emotional impact of finding a lump in her breast. It was a real shock. My life just just stopped that day whilst my medical treatment and the NHS and everything that associated with cancer took over. Um, It was a really difficult time for me in the work environment because... I had managers who were extremely sympathetic, who were extremely understanding, but didn't necessarily fully understand what support I needed. As well as her job as a senior army welfare worker and her membership of Candid, Jill is also training for an incredible opportunity to represent Great Britain at the Invictus Games. When I was going through my recovery pathway and I went and did all these sort of army recovery capability courses and and did all the things that were directed at at me making a recovery and returning back to work, I didn't realise that the Invictus Games was an opportunity for people that were still serving. It sort of really, really had a positive impact on me and, you know, got me almost to the end of that recovery now. And I will hopefully be competing next year in the powerlifting, swimming and indoor rowing events. And I'm a tiny little five foot three woman who should definitely not be powerlifting, I think. Hi, I'm Kyan and I'm six and I live in Brunei. Homegrown alligator, see you later. Gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. My favourite song is Shotgun by George Ezra and it reminds me when Grand and Grandad were here and I did a show for them. Time flies by in the yellow and green. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of If you need me, you know where I'll be 
It makes me want to dance and it gets stuck in my head. I'll be running shotgun and underneath the hot sun, feeling like someone. Bye for now. This is BFBS Team Talk. The Forces Station. Six-year-old Carl from Brunei sharing his song that serves me, Shotgun by George Ezra, and showing off his lovely singing voice. Thanks to Jill Charlton from the Armed Forces Candid Network. You can find Jill and more information about the work that they do with serving personnel with a life-limiting condition. They're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Candid Network. Here on Team Talk, we like to celebrate the successes of our forces children and young people who are taking on all sorts of challenges that military life throws at them and just take it in their stride. Life for a forces child regularly means saying goodbye to old friends and then making new ones as their family moves across the country or even around the world. So what advice would they give to other kids about the best way to make new mates? Ten-year-old Marley is today's little victory. He lives in Oxfordshire where his dad serves in the Royal Air Force. Here he is speaking to Joe Tunis about how he's used his love of sport and music to build new social circles. I like I like to do sports quite a bit and recently after I moved to that school I moved to a different football club. I do swimming and I'm almost there to completing my level 10 badge, gold. I like to do snowboarding and I also do gymnastics. How do you fit all this into a week? So on Monday I do swimming, then I go straight to football. Then on Tuesday I don't go to to gymnastics till six o'clock. And on Wednesday it's after school football. Thursday I have football training. Friday I have the day off. Saturday is a football match and Sunday is another day off as well. Wow. Do you think doing so much creates energy in you as, as well as you needing the energy to complete it? Well, as you go by, it's just like a normal... It just gets... It just becomes a normal to, to like, pack your bags and know when you get home you're eating as soon as you can and then going straight off and how quick you need to get dressed or if you can chill out and it just gradually becomes part of normal week. And who's responsible for packing your bags Marley because I hope there's never been an experience where you've turned up for swimming with your football kit or even worse maybe turned up to play football with only your swim kit. Well once I did forget to bring my goggles it was quite an unpleasant experience. I imagine it was. Let's yeah. talk about your guitar playing now. Is that something you really enjoy? Uh, yes, I do. It's just I've been practising as much as I can. I tried to be as good as I can at everything that I do. And yeah. So your sports going on, your snowboarding, your swimming, your football, your gymnastics, all these things I guess, mean you've got a really wide circle of friends with lots of friends who are into lots of different stuff. Would that be right? Yes. Would you say that getting involved in lots of activities like that is a really good bit of advice for maybe somebody else who's about to start at a new school or maybe whose family have just moved to a new town or a a new 
military unit where their mum or dad's been posted? Well, I guess so. So so you need to be able to be confident in your abilities when you go there because a first impression is very important and they could just think you're either not interested into something with, or you are, so you need to show your expressions. And I guess it works both ways. Now that you've been in your new class for a little while, if somebody new came into your class, you know how important it is to be friendly, introduce new people and make sure that they find their social circle as well. Yes, I would say so, yes. Brilliant. Well, you know what, Marley, I'm going to let you get back to that guitar and you've probably only got about five minutes before you're going to be off doing something active again. Yeah. Thank you very much for talking to us and all the very best with all your sports and uh, all the competitions that you're taking part in. Thank you for having me. Team Talk. BFBS. The Forces Station. My name is Peyton. I'm nine years old. I live in Canada. Feeling my way through the darkness. Guided by a beating heart. I can't tell where the journey will end. But I know where to start. So wake me up when it's all over. When I'm It's really upbeat and I can dance to it. My mom really likes it too. BFBS. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Well done to our little victory this week. Marley from Oxfordshire. He's done a great job of settling into his new school at his family's latest posting, throwing himself into as many extracurricular activities as possible, and it's paying off. The guitar is sounding great, and that list of sporting accomplishments is getting longer by the sounds of it every single second. Now, each week on Team Talk, we hear from someone who can speak from experience, a celebrity or a public figure who came from a forces background and has gone on to do extraordinary things. Lately we've heard from magician Lance Corporal Richard Jones, England rugby star Joe the Connor-Singer, musician James Blunt and Olympic athlete Chris Akabusi. Mark Billingham MBE is probably better known to you as Billy Billingham. He's a former SAS soldier and now of course you see him on the hit TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. He's today's Speaking From Experience special guest here on Team Talk. Due to COVID-19, we've had to change up slightly, so we are meeting via the line. Hello. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and uh, thank God for technology. At least we can see and talk to each other. Talk me through your early days in the military. I um, joined the Parachute Regiment in 1983, so I joined at 17, and I'd had quite a rogue childhood. Fort was a big hero, and I learned the hard way when I got down to Depot Parry, you know, standing on this parade with 70 other guys, and I was the youngest and the skinniest, and looking around. I thinking, definitely at my death now. And I think what kept the little rocket at my backside and going forward was just my dad feeling that I wasn't going to make it. That's going to keep me going and going and going to get to the end of this. And I did. And I had a wonderful time in depot. It was hard like anybody else. And I think 70 of us started, seven of us finished. And I actually passed out as the champion recruit 497 platoon. So my dad was obviously very, very proud, although he never really told me. And then after that, I 
joined Free Para, who at the time were in Belize. Because I left school at 13, my education was terrible. I thought I got told I'm going to Central America. That's all I've got all excited about. I'm joining the battalion in Central America. And I remember ringing my mum, you know, like, I'm going, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to be on the beaches, drinking beer, meet all these American chicks. And she went, oi, clown. It's in the jungle. <laughs> so anyway, so there I was in the, in, in the jungle. And um, as a kid, you have an image of the jungle from normally what you see on the TV. And I was thinking this is going to be awesome. You know, lions, tigers, elephants running around. I didn't see any of that. If I could tell anybody today, preparation for doing the same as I did, it would be put a house on your back, go into a sauna, march up and down the steps in a sauna and let someone smash you in the face every two seconds with a stick or a, a branch because that's what it was like and then every now and again you know you'd almost sit on some deadly creature a spider or a snake I just joined the battalion so i was a little bit homesick never been away from home out of my death completely in terms of soldiering because it's 1984 so they'd all served in the Falklands, they'd all been there and done it sort of thing been experienced and i was a new boy i've got a lot to prove so as you do you end up with all the equipment at the back of the patrol and if you go and get the tea you do this and that, that was great it was my apprenticeship and i i enjoyed it i remember the people that i kind of admired and wanted to be like and it was always the ones that were quiet didn't have too much to say but you could tell they'd done it and i just thought that's got to be me that's where i want to go I stayed with the Parachute Regiment for nine years. Did a couple of operational tours. Cyprus, believe it or not, was an operational tour. Then the next was Northern Ireland. Mid to late 80s, there was a lot going on. We lost a few people, which was a real eye-opener. We sort of realised this is all very serious and very real. And then I was fortunate enough after that to be posted back to the depot as an instructor. I'd left there seven years before as a young recruit. When I went through training, my grandmother, God bless her, died before I got to the end of my training, gave me a diary and said, just keep one line of how you're feeling. And I did. And I found it just before I went back down as an instructor. And I used to read it and just think how I felt. it, all my times from the run. So when I went down there, I kind of had a good bit of sense of humour, fun with the guys. And, and I knew, but I knew exactly how to push them, both mentally and physically, to get the best out of these young kids. Towards the end of it, I'd already decided a lot of my friends up in the battalion had gone to the SES. And I just thought, that's where I want to go. And I always describe it as, you know, you start playing for a sort of third division football club, but really you want to play for Leeds United. <laughs> no, you want to play for the Premier Champions, of course. And, and the SAS are that. They are, without a shadow of a doubt, the best soldiers in the world. I'm now going to take you to SAS Who Dares Wins. You are now yeah. a very familiar face on our screens. You spoke briefly before about when you were an instructor. And obviously yeah. this is very different. You're taking mm -hmm. civilians through their paces, yeah. testing them physically and mentally. How is that for you, knowing that you've been on the other foot? Yeah, I didn't mention that. I was also a, an instructor on SES selection as well. So I know exactly what SES are looking for. Now, let's be under no illusion. This is not SES selection. It, it's the title's there and it's, uh, it's great. It is different to SES. You know, you don't scream and shout at people on SES selection. But it's the only way for TV you're going to get people to do stuff. So we get it. I just think the backstories that come out, and hopefully the experience that we share with these people as well. We break them down and build them up. We're not there to break anybody. We knock them down to a point and then bring them back up. Talk to them like no one else has ever spoke to them. Everybody that's been on that show, including celebrities, have said to us, you know, they've learned a lot about themselves because they've been told stuff that they kind of know but never been told. We don't hold back. We go for it. And I enjoy doing that, and I've really enjoyed it. Find that vulnerable spot and then get into it. And they walk away a better person generally, you know. And it's great entertainment for the TV, but it is. It's entertainment. It's an SES selection, so don't get excited. I couldn't even do that selection. Never mind SES selection. No. But you've got to admit, I mean, people who come on it, you know, they've all got the reasons for doing it. 
And I take my half to them, especially the celebrities. They just want to do something different. They want to be challenged and they want to learn a bit about themselves. And they all do. And it's great. I really enjoy it. And the lads are a good laugh. It's being in the military without being in the military. We have the same banter, taking the mickey out of each other and playing little tricks on each other. And it's, it's good fun. I know you're good at keeping secrets because obviously the career that you've mm-hmm. had, but can you reveal any secrets from the new series? I'll tell you this. I think you're in for a shock. There's always the debate about men, women, this, that, the other. Stand by. That's all I'll say. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Billy Billingham. The song that serves me through my career is Matthew Wilder and Never Gonna Break My Stride. That's not I had the strangest dream. That was my SS selection song. When the chips were down, the weather was down, the visibility was down, when I could just see in the distance somebody in front of me, I'd sing that song to myself. He became my next target. I'd be gone and get past him. It helped me get through the ills phase of selection. BFBS, the forces station. This is Team Talk. So that's it from us here at Team Talk for another week. We've had another great family time with Louise from Little Troopers, speaking to Steve and Becky about how they navigated forces life after Steve's diagnosis with a brain tumour. And we got some great advice from Jill Charlton from the Armed Forces Candid Network for anyone going through something similar. We also celebrated today's little victory, Marley in Oxfordshire. He's done a great job settling into his new school by throwing himself into as many extracurriculum activities as possible. And finally, we heard from Mark Billy Billingham, MBE, former SAS soldier and now TV star in today's Speaking From Experience. Join us next week for more of the same or catch up on all episodes at bfbs.com forward slash podcasts. Team Talk is produced by TBI Media with support from the Audio Content Fund. Until next time, goodbye. Stay safe. See ya.